What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 93 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. And I love that last phrase, where God has put us, because I think something we've learned in all these episodes, God puts us in very different places, but yet we can find people that have used their influence and been leading with their faith, literally in all walks of life. You know, Dr. Diane Pierce in our last episode, just what a great story of where she came from to where she is now. And boy, how she used that influence. And it's just a, a microcosm. You know, one of the one of the ways that I've enjoyed uh, learning what God is doing is through the reviews that many of you leave on iTunes. And I just want to say thank you. If you have never stopped and gone to iTunes and left a review, man, it means the world to me. And I know it means the world to others that find their way to this podcast. They don't even know that we're out there. Just recently, Gator Mom said, I love listening to your podcast. I'm a wife, a mom of grown kids, but I love how every guest and every topic is applicable to me in some way. I'm also encouraged to hear the perspectives of those in leadership in today's culture that may make leading with their faith a priority, whether it be in the sports arena or the business world. I also love that it spurs great conversation between my grown son and I as we discuss what both of us are learning and discovering through your guest. I love pulling up a chair and having a seat at the table for some great conversations. Gator Mom, thank you for listening in, and thank you for engaging in those conversations because that is what this is all about. Thank you so much. Well, today we have another fun episode. We get to sit down with someone I remember hearing for the very first time as a teenager when he came to my community, did a school assembly, and spoke at my church, and then throughout the years, I followed him. His name is Dr. Jay Strack. Jay is the founder now of the Student Leadership University. He's the president and founder where he takes students and really has become the premier growth and leadership organization that's out there. Whether they are taking students to Orlando, San Diego, San Antonio, Washington, D.C., Israel, literally customizing learning in all parts of the world, or Jay spent 35 years traveling to churches, over 10,000 high school assemblies, and hundreds of area-wide interdenominational and interracial crusades. Jay Strack is one of my favorite people to listen to. You know, it's estimated he's spoken to over 15 million people in three decades of ministry. Jay is fun, and you are going to get it. I also love 
that Jay hasn't forgotten about the next generation and is spending his life now pouring into that generation. Today's going to be a treat. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Dr. Jay Strack. Well, Dr. Jay, it is an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, you know, I'm very busy right now, <laughs> traveling all over the world, and but I'm glad I could squeeze it in. Uh, I read a quote, and, and I've seen this quote a couple times. If I can overcome the past and believe in the future, anyone can. Your dreams determine your destiny. Where did that really take root in your life? Well, that's a great question. Uh, twofold. Number one, I really had a profound salvation experience. Now, I believe anyone who is a child of God <laughs> it would be able to be on safe ground saying they had a profound salvation experience. But for me, it literally was black and white television, colored television. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it was literally that moment where uh, when, when you're in, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore. So when I had that personal experience with the Lord 17, and of course, you know, I dug quite a hole for myself and, you know, rule one, when you're in a hole, quit digging. And I was, uh, I lettered an all state and dumb choices. <laughs> and I just kept digging. But so here I was the 17 year old and was told I wouldn't be able to graduate high school. I'd already missed too many days in November. Like, who, who knew they were counting, I'd like to just say for the record. Uh, there was no program, no no scoreboard. I mean, hello, an update, can I buy a vow, something. But uh, they just announced one day, you've missed so many schools, you won't graduate. And in my learning disabilities, being dyslexic and ADDDDDDDD, and uh, all the other things I struggle with, a lot of abuse. So I had really dug a hole for myself, and now it's being told I not only was a junkie, not only had been through a lot of abuse, but and not only had learning disabilities, but now I wasn't able to graduate high school. So I was really at the bottom, and there was a, uh, I got busted again, a horrible accident took place, and uh, it was my fault driving under the influence. So in and out of detention centers that summer. So at the age of 17, when I heard a message that was too good to be true and too good to keep to myself, uh, that really was obviously the beginning for me. I experienced the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. And, you know, when you don't have a father, you don't have a family, you don't have a future. And now all of a sudden, you got the heavenly father, you got a f group of people that care about you, the family of God. And then I just had this belief that, that the Lord was going to keep those promises to me if I would just make some good choices. So I just started following him and uh, the Lord transformed my life. So I know what it's like to have no dream and then all of a sudden have a dream. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to have no future and all of a sudden have a future. Now, I knew there was a whole lot I had to learn and a whole lot I had to overcome, but I found out that he's not just Savior, he's Deliverer. So mm. for me, I was able to say to the devil, your mama, and uh, just began to trust the Lord. That's, it's so incredible because I remember hearing your story, and I remember you traveled. I read you did 10, over 10,000 school assemblies in two decades. So if you get, you know, cause I'm sure y'all had churches attached to the back end of that. So you're speaking in school assemblies. 
speaking in churches, your story just resonated. Did you ever dream God could ever use you like that, like he has through the years and in school assemblies? Mike, the very first time I got asked to do a high school assembly, I looked at the principal and said, dude, are you on, are you high? I mean, the principal, I said it to the principal. Because my school, we booed, we had one of the astronauts come to our school. We booed the one of the astronauts. Our high school was called Marijuana High. They put the, you know, the sign out front of high school. I mean, it was, it was bad, you know. But uh, so my school was so rowdy. I knew that you reap what you sow. I'd heard mm -hmm. that verse, you reap what you sow. So now I got this principal going, we want you to come do an assembly. And I'm remembering we booed the astronauts. And I remembered how I acted. And I said, there's no way I'm going to speak in the school. They're going to do to me what, I mean, I've got it coming. The Lord warned me, you reap what you sow. I'm not coming. He said, Jay, you've got to. I said, I'm not coming. And so finally he talked me into coming. And then at the last minute, he said, and by the way, you can't mention anything about God or Jesus. And I said, dude, this is going to be the shortest talk in the history of the world. The only, I got nothing if I can't tell them what Jesus did in my life. And so he kind of walked me through, just say you met a friend or you had an experience and you realized there was more to life. You didn't need drugs, but tell your story. So I told him, and I went about 20 minutes, told him everything I knew made up stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. And it turned out he got on the phone, called 20 other principals. And for the next almost 20 years, uh, I spoke almost all day, every day, five days a week, 30, uh, I mean, probably 40 weeks a year. And then detention centers. And, and then that opened up youth camps and conferences and, you know, so, but for me, it was almost going back the Gadarean demoniac going back, mm -hmm. telling your family and friends. So I walked into a school going, Hey man, I blew it. Here's the mess I made. Whatever you do, don't do this. And, uh, and that led from one thing to another, but the first assembly, a chill went over me. I knew I was toast and didn't want to do it. So I really had no way of knowing what would come. Uh, so, well, and they're the toughest environments. I mean, they really are the toughest environment for any speaker to walk into is that high school or middle school assembly because, you know, they're, they're checked out, they're, they're doing whatever they're doing. And man, I remember being a high school student, 1985, 1986 at Fayette County High School, you being there and remember watching my friends riveted with your story. And it made it so easy to invite them to church the next day to say, Hey, you want to come here the rest of the, you know, get them selling some pizza on the other end of it, get them to come to the church. Right. What did you learn Jay about students as you went in and out of these high schools and middle schools? What did you learn about American students back then? Wow. Uh, I think two things, Mike, number one, they can spot a phony a mm. mile away. Mm. Now, we're Mr. Magoo when it comes to <laughs> spotting the phoniness in ourselves. But we got Eagle 2010 vision in spotting phoniness in someone else. That's right. So I was mindful of the fact, man, Jay, don't go in there and, and act like you got all the answers. And don't go in there and be the gunslinger for the school or mom and dad. In other words, you know, they know if they're getting sold something. 
Mm. Now, I I never took a nickel. I spoke uh, all those all those years, 20 plus years, never took a dime. Uh, so I wasn't paid to be there. I wasn't the hired gun for anybody. I was there because I wanted to be there. And I was just determined to tell them straight. Mm. So if I did something stupid, I just told it. You know, if I did something with IQ below plant life, I just told it. <laughs> if they were doing something stupid, I just told them. You know, so I, I tried to be real, st- real straight a phrase I heard from my grandmother, and I wrote it down one day in a hotel room. It just came to mind, Waterford Crystal Clear. Mm. You know, don't just be clear, but be Waterford Crystal Clear. And I learned one day when I broke a vase, uh, excuse me, a vase in my grandmother's house, there's a difference between Crystal and Waterford Crystal. So anyway, <laughs> I, I wrote down in a hotel room one day, I'm trying. My goal is to be Waterford Crystal Clear. Didn't even know what that meant, but I just had had the fear of God put in me about Waterford Crystal. So I I wanted to be transparent. When I did something stupid, I didn't try to cover it up. When I made a mistake, uh, when I hurt someone, when I was selfish. So I I always just tried to, you know, the old saying, "Tell it like it is." You'll mm-hmm. remember that phrase back in the day, but. You know, we everybody talks about that, but a lot of people don't do it, and especially about themselves. So if you go in and you try to be too cool for school, you know, and I I do think one thing, Mike, I just thought of this, knowing your history, and I'm so great, thankful, thank you for reminding me, uh, you know, your background and how gracious you've been talking about how I did an assembly. But, you know, Mike, I remember back in the day, if I didn't pull off the assembly, I didn't have anybody to blame. In other words, you know, you had horrible sound equipment. Remember the old yeah, gym? Oh, it's terrible. And they would use the, the, the basketball PA. I mean, yep. so I got to where I paid an engine sound engineer and brought in my own system just so I knew I would be heard and then also to protect my voice because when you do yep. six or seven a day sometimes, five or six, whatever it was, uh, you you know, your throat can pay a great price. So I, I knew I needed that. But I also knew that if I walked in, it was really up to me. Now, you know, today we want the lighting just right and yep. the candles in the room and uh, and where the image mags are. And, you know, I mean, we, yep. but back in the day, I'd walk into a gym and if I didn't, we didn't have a great assembly, I never walked out going, well, you know, they were tired today or they weren't very attentive today. It was, man, Jay, you got to do a lot better. I mean, so I learned kind of in that uh, fiery furnace, if you will, you got to deliver, you know, you got to, you got to give it everything you got and you got to be real clear and real transparent and uh, be honest about why you're there. Now I couldn't go into all the spiritual things, but I'd be able to say, you know, I'm going to be speaking in the area. If you get a chance, a friend invites you, come and see me, you know, kind of a thing. You know, what I, I've respected you from the distance all these years. And of course, we've got a great mutual friend, Ike, and, you know, just watching your ministry. And one of the things I've seen so many guys do is they, they do students for a period and then they move on. What mm-hmm. I love about you is you've not only done students for a period, you've done students for a journey. I mean, you have, mm-hmm. you have continued to pour into that next generation. And now through student leadership university, you're the premier student leadership 
uh, growth engine that exists out there. What would you tell business leaders and, and even some uh, athletic leaders that may be listening in? What could you tell them about this generation of students that are moving into their adult quote unquote world? What have you learned about these kids through these years you've been doing Student Leadership University? Well, I've learned the value of, a, of the power of a personal development plan. Mm. You know, again, I was this guy that had dug this deep hole. So I've had to really work hard to just learn basics, things I should have learned along the way. I've had to go back and, and, and learn, uh, you know, how to think and how to act and character and honesty. And, and you know, so, but for example, uh, when I looked up about and be, really began to sense that we needed to do something different, uh, and I, you know, I was always, it had to be the big Coliseum, you know, I've been proved to be the Georgia Dome a bunch or the Macon Coliseum, remember back on the evangelism oh, yeah. conference days, you know what I mean? And I love that world. But then all of a sudden I began to realize that we've got to prepare students mm. for what's coming next. And so for me, I, I began to realize that they needed to get go on this journey. And I had an experience at the Air Force Academy and I was speaking there. But while there, they had some other issues going on. The honor, honor code had been violated. And then they'd just gone co-ed. So they had some, some of those alpha males didn't want the female, you know, females uh, to be a fighter pilot, right? And so uh, conduct of becoming the officer and gentleman, whatever it may be, you know. So all of a sudden, I began to go, you know, these are our best and brightest. And if they're having trouble with some of the basics, then what's happening to the average kid? Mm. And so I began, so example, I be, when I began to go on a leadership journey, you know, I'd gotten a doctor's degree in, in ministry uh, and, you know, had a bunch of pieces of paper, written some books, but I never had a time management course. I'd never had a vision course. I didn't know about vision. I never had any uh, people skills or how to build meaningful, positive, lasting relationships. Uh, goals, you know, Zig Ziglar taught me as a college student about the power of a written goal. I met a great guy in uh, the Atlanta area where you are uh, named Charles Tremendous Jones. Uh, he gave me one of his quotes, gave me permission to use it and said, build upon it, you know, about you'll be the exact same person you are today, five years from now, except for the places you go, the people you meet, the books you read, mm -hmm. and we've added what you memorize. Mm -hmm. And so I never will forget Charles Tremendous Jones at about the age of 70 plus going to some of the high schools with me. And he loved what I did. And he said, Jay, you ought to be training students. You ought to be helping them. So the Lord really used people like Zig Ziglar and uh, Charles Tremendous Jones. And then along the way, people like John Maxwell and uh, Mark Miller and Truett Cathy and some of those to really kind of help me take this next step into land of leadership development. But Mike, when I looked up what it mean, you know, for example, uh, what does it mean to be a leader? So I looked up the word leader. It says one who leads. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> so then I'd look up the word lead. Well, the action a leader takes. Hello. So, I mean, there was really nothing to go by. Now, today, we've got from A to Z, you know, from yep. 
Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun all the way through. I saw when I was in Spain the last time, a new book on the leadership secrets of Zaros. So from A to Z, if you will, yeah. right? We got, now if you watch somebody reading a leadership book of Attila the Hun, you don't want to work for them. <laughs> but besides that, but there's Winnie the Pooh, for example. I mean, so all the way through. So we got leadership now. Everybody's talking about it. But I learned up close and personal, you got to help students understand what are these, what does excellence mean? What is a vision? What is a dream? What does it mean to think clearly and deeply and Christianly? And what is a biblical worldview? I mean, so, so for me, as I was on this leadership journey myself and getting to meet remarkable people, that invested a great deal in me and started reading those books. And all of a sudden, you know, I began to see clearly, I've got a, whatever influence I have on students, I got to try to give them about a 20 year head start. Why wait till somebody's 35 or 40 in a corporation or business to begin to train them? What if we taught those basic best practices basic rules and tools of leadership, quote West Point. What if we were to try to take the leading youth communicators in the country, those that love students and they make, you know, they're passionate and they connect with students. So give students a 20 year head start, teach them what everybody else is learning uh, when their corporation or company takes them to a conference or a, a convention. So, so that's where student leaders came from. As you've worked with them, do do they seem to have a high top end where they they get it and man it it's almost shocking how it blows their lids off as far as their as Maxwell would say their leadership lid. How quickly do you see kids engage when you give them that opportunity? Well, I begin with a phrase. There's got to be a time the little boy sits down and the man stands up. Mm. That'll be a time the little girl sits down, the woman stands up. It's exciting when you see them starting to stand. And it's exciting when you see the light come on. Mm. And for us, when we, you know, we, we, I'm very creative. We have 101, 201, <laughs> 301. I mean, I don't want to brag. It's a gift, you know, but very, very creative on the journey. But as we watch them go through, every year we build on Leadership 101. Mm. And by the way, leadership's just influence. That's right. And the greatest, you, you earn the right to lead by being a servant. So serve others. So uh, time management 101, goal setting 101, people skills 101, and biblical worldview 101. And then every year we take them different places, let them meet world-class leaders. You know, our 201 program is in D.C., so we do a White House briefing, a congressional briefing, a Supreme Court briefing. Uh, we'll have uh, ambassadors speak, generals, colonels, uh, you know, uh, leading businessmen. So, and then, of course, my goal is for them to hear from about 13 PhDs. So by the time they finish our, our four-year program, they would have heard from a minimum of 13 PhDs. Mm. And the reason is I don't want them to be intimidated when Dr. Weiner Cheese walks out at some of these state schools and they do surgery on what these students believe. You know, everything you've poured into your children, I poured That's into right. mine. My daughter went to, my youngest daughter went to Harvard and I promise you there were a couple of professors were on a mission to pull up everything she'd ever been taught by the root. And so I'm tr I want them to always be respectful of a PhD. 
because that's a, that's a hard thing to get and that's quite an accomplishment. But don't ever be intimidated by it. And don't ever be afraid to say, what's in that pipe you're smoking? Are you all right? Everything cool? You know, I mean, so uh, along the way, we're trying to just give them that 20-year head start. Mm. 20 year head start in the rules and tool, how to think, how to dream, how to lead. And so we take them, you know, London, Oxford, Normandy, Paris. We go to Israel, Jordan. Uh, I don't want to say all the times we've gone to China. We can't say that right now. It's not kosher. But anyway, uh, so we, we've done programs all over the world and taken students all over the world. And it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Mm. How do you keep growing? How do you, so you you spend your life emptying, giving out to others, you're speaking, you're leading, you're doing, you've been doing it for years now. How do you keep growing as a leader? Yeah, thank you for putting a little extra uh, <laughs> mustard on the years. years anyway, it was a dragon. It was a dragon, the audio. That's what it yeah, was. I hear you. Is that what it was? I saw, yeah, I saw the little circle going around <laughs> the, uh, well, I am an old dude, incredibly cool, but an old dude, no doubt about it. But, you know, the, the, if I could, let me just give you a Chinese proverb. The Chinese have a great saying, the pipe that carries the water gets just as wet as the bucket that receives it. Mm. So I get to share a lot of incredible things. And I get to introduce them to a lot of incredible people. But that means I'm right there, too. I'm learning from those people and I'm reading the books I'm challenging them to read. And I'm taking notes when our other faculty and other speakers. Now, another thing we've done that's really kind of been a, a gift to me is we've got some brilliant young guys that have their PhDs or in the process, young men and young ladies on our staff. And so I'm able to hear from some of the best on the planet. And so I'm constantly being challenged. And, you know, the, the joy is, you know, the more you read, you just get to share it. You read mm -hmm. that book and it made a difference. And you do that. Mike. I've heard, you know, you'll you'll say, hey, buddy, here's a copy of a book. Really blessed. I mean, we're always there's there's joy in helping others keep keep going down the road. So good. What's been the hardest part of leadership for you? You've pastored. You've traveled. You now put together conferences, which is a whole, you know, world in and of itself with what you guys have done with youth pastor summits and, and SLUs all over the world, literally for you in leadership. What's been, a, what's been the hardest part for you? What would you say? Well, the hardest part obviously is travel. Mm. Uh, travel takes its toll. There's a great passage in the old Testament when Joshua and Caleb came back and they said, the land devours its inhabitants. Mm. So I remember one time, I don't remember where I was, but I'd been on the road for several weeks and I just wrote in the margin of my Bible, the road devours its inhabitants. You know, so uh, the where, the being on the road away from your family, I've got a beautiful wife, an incredible wife uh, who's more fun. I mean, just, you know, I mean, I just, I mean, every day I'm away from her, it's like getting kicked in the head. And then, of course, you're not there for certain things for your children. So travel has mm -hmm. been a two-edged sword. It's a great blessing, and I've been able to take my family uh, and now grandchildren all over the world to places, you know, that I've been. But uh, but I think the, the hardest thing 
is to realize uh, it's not about me. Mm. It's really not. And once we learn that, we kind of get out of our own way and go, you know, hey, I've here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. And I do my best to share it. But I know I don't have all the answers. And I know there's that's no surprise to those who know me well. <laughs> I mean, no one goes, what? Jay doesn't know. I mean, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm one of those that uh, uh, it's a God has been very good to me and I get to be the pipe that carries Mm. some water and I get wet every time I do it. So it's been a it's been a great, great journey. The journey's cool. It's cool to be a leader, Mike. It's cool to be a reader. It's cool to make good grades. It's good. It's cool to stand up to a bully. It's cool to serve others. It's cool to go on the mission field and serve those who need help. I mean, you know, all the things that we think make us cool, it's almost just the opposite, Mm. you know. And so I've learned that all the things I kind of made fun of, like I made fun of kids in the band, and yet today I meet these students and they play these instruments, three or four instruments, and they read music and and, and they do, you know what I mean? And and yet when I was a kid, if you were in band, that wasn't cool. We were cool. IQ below plant life, but yet we were cool, you know, <laughs> I mean, at least in our own minds. So so I've learned the world's a whole lot different. And so when you kind of magnify things that really are cool, that haven't gotten much exposure sometimes in some environments, uh, that's always a lot, of, a lot of fun to watch that light come on, that aha moment. That's so good. You know, I had Ravi Zacharias on and Ravi, he he made a, st- a statement. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. He said, never trust a leader without a limp. You have been across, you've seen every kind of leader in the world from wow. the greatest in the church world. I remember seeing you speaking up at Liberty University when I was there with Dr. Falwell to New Hope who with Ike, who was a phenomenal leader. You've been around the brightest, the best for your journey, why would that statement be true that every leader has got broken spots? They've got broken places. What would you say? Man, well, I think the best, the best way I would, I would answer that is uh, you, you referenced a, a Liberty experience and I never will forget one time I was getting ready and there's a remarkable young guy at Liberty now, David Nasser, you know, yes. one of the anointed gifted guys, but I, David traveled with me for five or six years when he first got started. So I've been privileged to watch David become this, oh my goodness. I mean, he's anointed, he's gifted. Yeah. He's and now look at the kind of leader he is uh, there at Liberty over all those students. But uh, so David said, Doc, listen, uh, I'm going to send a couple students over and they're going to come a little early if you don't mind spend some time with them if you can. Well, it turned out, though, I had kind of a sitting area in the hotel I was at, you know, and so I was on the phone and it, just to, board, to be quick, it was kind of a deal. I was dealing, uh, I had an opportunity to man United. I was trying to work it out to come from the Middle East to get to Manchester. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, some of those students that blew their mind. All right. And then John Maxwell called. And it was just one of those things where he was returning my call. But to make a long story short, there were two or three of those kind of things that these students got to hear. 
So when we got in the car, that, that's all they wanted to talk about. You know, John, you know this, but you know, I mean, you know, you're speaking to man, you know, whatever. And I never will forget uh, ad addressing my talk that morning. And I said, I want to teach you a great leadership lesson. I said, I knew John Maxwell before he was John Maxwell. I've known John Maxwell over 30 years. In fact, to be honest with you, if let's just look at who's the better leader. I've known John 30 years. Look where he is knowing me 30 years. Now look where I am. I've known him 30 years. So therefore, I must be a better leader <laughs> than John Maxwell. I'm just saying. But anyway, uh, but, you know, so I knew John Maxwell before he was John Maxwell. I think another one was Jack Graham, uh, you know, at Prestonwood. And I'd known Jack when he was like at Duncan, Oklahoma. And, you know, I was at a, a small church in Southwest Florida. I mean, you know, myself. But the point I was making to the students is that you're sitting next to people in this chapel on the same row with you that you don't spend five minutes with. And I promise you, they're the next John Maxwell. They're That's the right. next uh, Jack Graham. They're the next Dr. Falwell. They're, you know what I'm saying? In other words, we sometimes we're so caught up with the guy on stage. Mm. I mean, who didn't want to spend time with the guy on stage, right? I mean, you know, I, I've been there. You've been there, you know. Yeah. Uh, but when I learned the lesson, as I look on my life right now, the people that are the most meaningful to me, and have blessed me the most, and I get more out of that relationship, are folks I've known 20, 30, 40 mm. years. Mm. And so when you if if you can help young people get that perspective, you really have given them a, a head start. And so focus more on some of the people you're sitting next to than worrying about spending time with the guy, the old guy on stage. And uh, I hope that makes sense. But that's the best way I know to answer that question, because the folks that I look at today that I that people go, wow, I can't believe you get to know them. Be honest with you. I can't believe it either. And, you know, I just I mentioned a couple names there, uh, uh, Maxwell and a Graham. And we've talked about Ike or Dr. Falwell. These guys, let me just. They're the real deal. Mm. I've seen them at two in the morning, four in the morning. I've seen them when luggage is lost. I've seen them when they're sick, you know. And uh, I, I mean, I've just so many personal things. I, I don't know what's appropriate to share or not, but I've just been with them when they've said to me, Can you believe what all God is doing? Mm. Jay, make sure you help me stay real or help me. If you ever see anything in my life that's phony, let me know because look what God has done for me. But Jay, you knew me back when. If I'm not helpful now and and encouraging to others now, or you know, then I'm an integrate. Mm. I'm a fake. I mean, you know. So when you hear the men that you admire the most, or women you admire the most, and then you, the more you get to know them, you realize they're the same person right. they've been for thirty years. We've talked about Ike, you know. And as much as it pains me to have to say anything nice about Ike Riker, <laughs> but. Uh, I'm just saying he's the same dude. That's right. He's the same guy. And uh, so that's what that's what I think makes it makes it fun. 
we all want to be better than we are. You know what yep. I mean? And we're always working to improve and strive. And uh, you've mentioned some folks that have meant a lot to you, the John Gordons. And, mm. and I mean, those are, I mean, man, there's no way to tell you what it's like when you get to, as you know, when you get to spend time with them because they're the real deal. That's right. That's right. You, you mentioned David Nasser and, I, and this is something I wanted to ask you. And I've always wondered. So I, I went back, I was a super wow guy back in the day working, ah. working down. Yeah. Doug couch paid me to live on the beach for two oh. summers. So it was a great deal. But Dave you. Edwards was my roommate and I know Dave traveled with you for years and I know so many guys, Dave Edwards, Wayne Collette, uh, Ronnie Hill, all these guys. How did you spot young talent? You know, you, so many guys will take just any guy to travel with them to help them with stuff, but you didn't take any guy to travel with you. You found, you found Eagles. I mean, you found kids that have soared in their careers. How did you do that? Well, to, I'm going to answer that very honestly. I, I don't know. Mm. And I'm grateful. Mm. Um, I remember somebody said to me one time about man, Jay, How's up? How do you feel knowing you made that guy or you made that guy? I said, what guy are you talking about? Somebody said a, a Mark Roberts, you know, a right. first priority. Yep. Mark yep. and Tom Roberts are, are uh, uh, a David Nasser or a Dave Edwards. And I looked at him and I said, uh, I said, yeah, it feels pretty good to have made those guys. I said, but can I ask you a question? If I made that guy, how come I can't make another one like that? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? So true. That's I'm right. You, man, nobody made those guys. Mm. These, were, these were young eagles. And somehow, by the grace of God, uh, the Lord put us together. Mm. Now, I've seen them do bonehead things, and they've seen me do bonehead. <laughs> I mean, you know, as you do life together, grow together, right. and, and drive each other crazy, because sometimes you be in the same car for 12 hours or, you know, spend the night in a car, you know, I mean, it's just kind of crazy stuff back on the road, but I was gifted. I mean, given a gift mm. that these young dynamic guys, and they were so on fire, they just wanted to serve. And then I never will forget when I said, man, why don't you do this assembly? You've heard me do it 20 times. You've handed out the pizza tickets. You've set up the sound equipment. You've gone around afterwards and talked to certain students that were waiting around to talk to me, and you encouraged them. I, you, you know, you've been such a great servant. I think maybe the Lord wants you to, well, man, what would I say? I said, well, you need to go to work on what your high school talk would be. You've heard what I do. What does that remind you of? Or what do mm. you wish I would say that I didn't say? Or, you know, so... Every now, you know, the Lord just kind of shown me, but uh, as we were talking, so forgive me here, this progressive revelation here. Uh, <laughs> and I hesitate to say this because it sounds a little a little uh, self-serving, but I have the privilege of being in a small gathering with Dr. Billy Graham mm -hmm. at an international conference on evangelism. And there were about 12 of us in the room. And Dr. Graham was spending time with 12 young American guys that were just, uh, you know, there we were, right? And I never will forget, he said, Jay, I've heard about what you've done in the schools, and I know you've spoken at a couple of my youth rallies before I come and do a crusade in a city. And he said, tell me, I'm fascinating about how that works, you getting in a high school with the separation of church and state, what do you talk about, you know, the whole bit. And uh, 
But then I never will forget. He said, Jay, before I leave, I got to ask. He came back to me in front of everybody. And he said, what's going to happen if your airplane goes down from Amsterdam? Mm. Now, I'm thinking, this is Billy Graham. He's got a hotline to heaven. He's got to walk with God. I'm going, Doc, did the Lord kind of tell you something about <laughs> I mean, Can I fly back with you? or is, Are you going by boat? I mean, is there anything I need to know? He said, no, no, focus, Jay, focus. He said, no, I don't know anything about what's going to happen to the plane, but if your plane went down, who would do those high schools? Mm, mm. And I'm ashamed to say, I never, never thought of that. And I, I, I hope it wasn't because I enjoyed being the guy because, you know, I, I, I knew we needed a hundred more guys, but it had never dawned on me that maybe the Lord would use me to help some of those guys. And so once he put the Lord, put that in my mm, head, mm. a pretty good source, by the way, yep. uh, I began to look for young guys and uh, I knew, you know, back at, and you know, it's not, a, it's not fair, but we didn't, I didn't have young ladies travel with, you know I mean? I know there's a, this day and age, you say you don't have dinner with anybody other than your wife, then yeah. somehow you don't, you know, there's something wrong with you. But anyway, but I'm a little old school like that, but I only had young guys travel with me and, uh, and they were all guys. So, I mean, you know, they were full of, they'd fight half the time. I mean, you know what it's like. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. But it was uh, to watch these young men become incredible men of God. And today I'm blown away by what they do and how they do it. And that's what kind of gave me the encouragement to go on and take that next step and try to try to raise up a generation of uh, young leaders. That's so good. Well, you, you, your life has been spilled out in so many other lives. It really, I remember Dave and I would sit up at night and just talk about, you know, if heaven, if when we get to heaven, I know God gives us crowns, but if there's frequent uh, pizza eater mileage, he felt like he was going to get an upgrade. And we had a a lot of long conversations, but the lessons they learned, not, not just hearing you, but watching you were huge. How have you, you know, you, I've seen so many times in ministry, so many guys not make it. They, they started well, and, hmm. you know, the, the white surrender flag came out. How have you stayed faithful? What's been, what, what are some tips you would give young leaders on staying faithful to their, to their wife, to their family, to their call? What would you say? Well, I know, first of all and foremost, I have an addictive personality. I'm a junkie. I was a junkie. I snorted, drank it, inhaled it, shot it, whatever, right? I I have an addictive personality. So I knew I couldn't play games with alcohol. So that was number one. Mm. That was a real game changer because all these years, it's been 48 years, I guess it is now, whatever it is. uh, I haven't had a drink or a cigarette or a joint, or, you know, I mean, I, when the Lord came into my life, I'm just so very grateful. I flushed the drugs, flushed the booze and walked away. So I stayed away from alcohol. I think alcohol, and it's always interesting because, you know, I go, I get to go to a lot of state events or events in DC and all this, and there's always a lot of alcohol around it. And sometimes the bigger the event, the more the alcohol, unfortunately, you know, and, uh, I watch people get careless. 
but I'm grateful that uh, I've stayed away from it. So, uh, number one. Number two, I knew because of the way I was raised around a bunch of men that were very uncouth, I knew what pornography would do to mm -hmm. somebody. I knew how it became a poison and it controlled their life. So I've tried, you know, so I don't, I've never had HBO in my home. I've never had back in the day, you know, that was right. nowadays or 9 million other things, but I never had those kind of paid, paid channels in my home. Uh, I love sports. I've been privileged to speak at uh, to, uh, sometimes 15, 20 professional sports teams a year. And I know you love doing, yeah. doing that with the, Falcons. Uh, but anyway, but I, I want you to know, no, I, but with all due love and respect, but the, uh, uh, <laughs> wise men still follow the star. Uh, I just, so I, you good. wanted to get that in. I want you to know, I remember that I, that you'd asked me to share that. Uh, but anyway, so, but when you get to speak with pro teams, et cetera, right. Uh, one thing I, I began to learn is that, uh, whatever you do, Whatever you do, they're going to watch what happens when you get through speaking, because a lot of times you're traveling on the road, et cetera. So I've, I've been able to uh, stay away from pornography, stay away from alcohol, stay away from drugs. And then I've been very, very careful because the Lord helped me fall in love uh, with the young lady that became my wife. Mm. And uh, she's been too good to be true for me. So uh, I remember one thing I learned from. One time I said this to a friend of mine. He said, Jay, you've been awfully nice to me uh, ever since I've gone through the situation with my marriage. And I said, well, listen, buddy, first of all, just because I'm fortunate enough to marry uh, a better woman doesn't make me a better man. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? That's a good and word. Then he, he was. I mean, you know, he married somebody and she, you know, uh, hadn't been faithful. But now there's most of the time I wish it I'm ashamed to say it's the guy that's not faithful, but I just believe that uh, love, if you do it right, is a trip, man. It's mm. the greatest trip in the world. So I fell in love with a young girl. We were saved in the Jesus movement together. And she is, uh, I mean, there's no way I would have the life I have if it wasn't for her. You know, she would read my books. You know, I'm dys very dyslexic. And I didn't know it till I was in college. I got tested in college, Charleston Southern University. And uh, she would read my textbooks to me at night as I drove to preach. And then on the way home, she would quiz me on what she had read to me before the sermon. And then on the way home, going back to Charleston, she would quiz me on what we had talked about. So, I mean... She literally, her fingerprints are all over everything I've done. So I would, the Lord would hang me with a new rope if I'm, <laughs> if I messed up after everything she's done. But uh, it, not that I'm all that. I've just been afraid. And I know mm -hmm. you got to be close and you got to be careful. And I know there's a lot of good, a lot of temptation out there. And so I just found if you make sure you put some things in place about who you talk to, where you go, what you watch. And and I don't trust myself in a lot of situations, so I'm pretty good at avoiding them. What do you praise the legacy you leave through the students that have come through Student Leadership University, through all the teams that have heard you speak and people that have known Jay Strack through the years? 
What do you praise the legacy you're leaving in their lives? Hmm. Wow. Well, that this stuff is true. Mm. Jesus is true. Uh, if there's, you know, remember the Gadarean demoniac, you know, I remember when I went back to my hometown to pastor my hometown, Fort Myers, Florida. And the guy on the, one of the, one of the people on the pulpit committee had been the deputy sheriff that busted me three times. And, you know, and there was a lady that wouldn't let me date any of her daughters on the pulpit committee. I mean, you know, I mean, so for me to go back to my hometown uh, was kind of a minor miracle, right? So I'm there and this reporter said, but don't you know, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And I looked at her, I said, ma'am, if I came sashaying back into Fort Myers going, it's okay, everybody. Dr. J's here. The prophet's here. I'm back. Thank you. Thank you. I, I want you to know I wouldn't last five minutes. I said, I'm not the prophet who's come back. I'm the guy that was unclean, mm. running around half naked, cutting himself, destroying himself, living among the tombs. And uh, no one wanted anything to do with him. And then Jesus came along, put me in my right mind, saved my soul, changed my life. And then I said, Jesus, let me follow you. And he said, no, here's what I want you to do. Go home and tell your family and friends. Go home and tell those that you care the most about what I've done for you. So I said, I didn't come back to Fort Myers to be a prophet. I came back to Fort Myers to tell the people that mean the most to me man, if Jesus can do something for me, just imagine what he could do for you. Now, I'll be forever grateful that lady recorded that mm. and printed that. And that was the article. And it almost changed the whole narrative I was up against in just a matter of one day. I mean, almost, you know, so, but I, I, I do think that uh, I'm the guy that knows firsthand, this is too good to be true, mm. but it's true. And it's too good to keep to yourself. So you got to tell as many people as you can. And if God be for us, who could be against us? So. You know, scripture says David served his purpose in his generation, and then his work was done. What do you think was the purpose God created you for? As you as you look back, it, it in not only what you're doing now, but all the ways that God has used you through the years. Why do you think? Man, I created you. I should have drank a Red Bull before I did this. <laughs> You're making me think way too hard. The uh, well, I probably, and I, I'll just say this: hope it comes across right. The fact that I was able to raise Ike Reichard, I think, is probably the single greatest, most difficult assignment ever. You know, and I'd like yeah. to. You know, I know the Lord has to be proud because the Lord knows. What a difficult, difficult assignment uh, that was. Um, you know, I think, uh, wow, you know, I don't like being stumped. That's a, that's a, that, you know, when somebody says that's a really good question, it means they don't have a clue how to answer it or stall it, right? Uh, but uh, I would like for my legacy to be, uh, he finished. Mm, mm. That's been my prayer. I, I want to, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint the Lord. I don't want to disappoint my girls, my grandkids. I don't want to disappoint my bride. 
Mm. And, uh, and especially, I don't want to, you know, so many people have helped me. I mean, you, you know, the, the people that, that help you in your evangelistic association and mm. the board of direct people that have stood with us for 20 and 30 years and sacrifice. I mean, so many people, I mean, you know, you, I mean, you know, when you yep. come in and what's happened at North star and, 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 and you know, I was, I was excited because I knew it was a good church, but man, I look at what's happening now. I mean, you know, they're, mm. and we don't do those things by ourselves. That's right. And we know that better than anybody. <laughs> I mean, trust mm. me. Uh, so I, I think the main thing is if though, you know, there's a great quote, I think I got it from John Maxwell. I know he loves getting credit for it when I say, it, but, you know, <laughs> but uh, uh, when those who know you best love you the most, then you know you're successful. And so my prayer will be those that know me best will love me and know that I love them. And uh, I could have gave them a much harder time than I did. <laughs> so I've been easy on everybody, especially some folks that you know. But uh, anyway, uh, I think that's what I'd like to be known for. All right. I told you, Jay was fun, wasn't he? My goodness, he is a scream and so much fun to sit down with. Thank you, Jay Strack, for not only making a difference in my generation when I was growing up, but continuing to make a difference for years and years to come by building leaders who love Jesus and learn to lead with their faith out in front. If you want to know more about Jay, make sure and check our show notes that have all the links so you can find your way to him. Well, as we continue on in 2020, episode 94 is going to be another great one. We sit down with Jesse Bradley. Jesse's a pastor, former professional soccer goalkeeper, an absolute leader in the faith. You are going to have so much to learn from my time with Jesse. So until then, go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.